Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we come before you on this beautiful August morning with hunger in our hearts, with spirits who long for you. Teach us how to hear what you have to share this morning. And we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter, Peter, can we all identify with Peter? Peter, get behind me, Satan, Peter. Peter, you will deny me three times, Peter. Peter, no, you can't build a house for me on the mountain, Peter. Peter, so close to Christ, and yet he betrays him. And Judas, Judas, who also must have been so close to Jesus, what a tight bunch they must have been traveling and sharing stories and proclaiming the gospel. Judas, who betrays Jesus with a kiss for a palm of silver. The betrayal of Christ by those closest to him. I can't even imagine the pain. We talk about Christ's suffering, calling out to God on the cross, the nails, the blood, the agony, the crucifixion. But before the physical crucifixion, there is the crucifixion by community and by relationship, by the crowds, by the Pharisees, and by the betrayals of the disciples that he has mentored and nurtured, whom he has called and loved. Betrayal is so personal. It's the violation of moral values. It's a, it's a breaking of trust in relationship. And I remember in the spring, right before we began to be with each other remotely, we had a forum on sin with Bonnie Hoffman Adams. And we were sitting in small groups. And the question was, what would be the sin that we would find the hardest to forgive? And someone in our group said, betrayal. Whether we are betrayed or whether we betray, the only thing that can resolve this is forgiveness. And forgiving on one hand may seem easy, quick and in the moment, but on the other hand can be immensely difficult and a long time in coming. For the times that we have not been able to forgive, are the memories that we live the most. While we do relive moments of reconciliation and joy and love, even more, we remember and replay the betrayals of ourselves and others as if it were yesterday. And we do so in the moment there is a quick re-escalation in which something happens that brings all of the feelings and the woundedness back to the surface and the scab is ripped off this deep wound. And there we are once again in pain and bleeding, heart rate high as if it was just a second ago. And we lash out in those moments of pain to pay back and revenge for the hurt given to us. As clergy, we have a practice when we are with those who are dying, that we ask both the dying and the living if they have had a chance to say these three phrases to each other. I love you, 
I'm sorry, and I forgive you. For the dying and the living, the repair of the relationship relieves the burden that is the weight that we carry with us if we do not forgive. But we don't have to wait until we are dying or a loved one is dying to say these words to each other. We can do that now. We can do that this afternoon. We can do that tomorrow. For the longer we wait, the bigger the hole we have dug, the harder it is to climb out, and the more hardened our stance and the loss of face to changing course. Look no further than Pharaoh, who time after time, plague after plague, the more he resisted, the harder it was to say yes to God's call to let his people go. And betrayal can only be resolved with forgiveness. And forgiveness, true forgiveness, comes not from a place of reciprocation, but from a place of love. Miroslav Vol says, in the Christian account of things, we forgive because we love. And when we do forgive out of love, we do so without any expectation of reciprocity. We cannot control the reaction of the other party. But sometimes we think we can, or we think that forgiveness is some sort of bargaining in which we will wait for the other party to respond in the terms that we have already created. And we're so determined that we will not come to the table until they move forward as well. And the result is that nothing happens. It becomes a stalemate of movement at all, none on either side, and wounds that continue to fester under the surface over the years. This past week in morning prayer, someone shared that they see forgiveness as being a gift that they give to others. Just as God has gifted us forgiveness, when we approach forgiveness as a gift, that's how we let go of reciprocity because we know that a true gift is one that comes with no strings attached. And as I was reflecting on stories of betrayal and how personal they are, I remembered something that I experienced a few years ago. And yes, betrayal is personal. I have a family that is steeped in personal betrayal and anger in a way that has led to decades of people not talking to one another, of cutting each other out of their lives. It goes back for generations on my father's side. And so for my father and I, we have had our own difficulties based on this family history, some of which I have shared in, in another sermon. But back in about 2012, I was attending the Landmark Forum beginners course in New York City. And we were in a seminar room with 120 people and the instructor was up on the stage. And the session that the instructor was teaching, he was sitting on one of those chairs that looks like a bar stool, it's very high, long legs. And as he was discussing how we carry our burdens with us and how they impact all the relationships in our lives, not just the one in which the burden occurred, he got off the chair and he picked up the chair 
And as he walked around the stage and engaged in examples of his life, he always carried this chair with him, the chair of burden. And each time he engaged in a conversation with someone else, he had to figure out what to do with the chair, where to put it. Should he lean on it? Should he sit on it? Should he put the chair between him and the other person? And I can't think of a better example of how we carry our woundedness with us than this chair. And I can tell you in my own life, for years, that chair was my relationship with my father. And every time I met someone new who was wonderful and I wanted them to be a part of my life and we got to the point of sharing about our families, I had to figure out when to drag out the dad chair. And I realized in watching the instructor drag this chair around the stage that I was tired of dragging my dad chair. And so when the session ended, the instructor said, all right, now it's time for a break. Everyone, pick up your phone, go outside and call someone in your life with whom you need to repair a relationship. And I got up and I picked up my phone and I went outside the building in lower Manhattan and stood on the sidewalk leaning against the wall in the sun. And I called my dad. And he picked up the phone, we hadn't talked in over a year. And the first thing I said was, Dad, I love you and I forgive you for what you did. And there was absolute silence at the other end of the phone for a moment. He was absolutely floored. What I can tell you was after that day, we began a relationship from a very beginning place. All of the past was gone and we began to share in a way we hadn't shared in decades. And my siblings, when I shared with them that I had truly forgiven our dad, they had no idea who I was anymore. They could not understand or grasp what had happened. And about two years later, when I was ordained to the priesthood in the cathedral in Spokane, my dad, who rarely gets on a plane, and at that point had not flown for 30 years, got on a plane in Albuquerque, flew to Spokane, rented a car, and drove to the cathedral for my ordination to the priesthood. And when he got there, he sat in a pew right behind my mother, and they had not spoken in over 20 years. Once I was ordained up at the altar, the tradition is for the new priest to distribute bread at communion. And as I came down the altar rail carrying the bread, there kneeling at the rail, side by side, was my father and my mother. And I have a photograph of handing them the bread side by side. And that photograph of them and I at the rail in front of God spoke volumes and more than I could ever share to my siblings. The result of that forgiveness of a betrayal so long ago, a forgiveness through love with no expectation of how my father would respond when I told him that I loved him and forgived him has led to a complete regeneration of our relationship. And so I give that to you because only through forgiveness and love are we able to live into the life that Paul shares with us this morning. Do not repay evil with evil. Love your enemies. Feed those who need feeding. 
And I know in this time we are having so many challenges in our nation on many levels and in our own lives too. And so this day, as we, as we go forth, remembering that Jesus said to forgive 70 times seven. And if we look beyond that, God forgives us always, which means our call is to always forgive each other. In those moments and those interactions in which we do not feel good about how someone has treated us, let us take a deep breath, plant our feet in love before we respond out of anger or pain. And we lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen.